0: everybody welcome to another episode of the bourbon showdown podcast my name is jesse jones and on the show today we have james e pepper baby That's right. We've got Amir Pei and Cody Giles on the program today. Amir, of course, the man responsible for bringing James E. Pepper back to the forefront of whiskey. And Cody, the head distiller, making sure all that liquid in the bottle is as good as it can possibly be. We sit down, have ourselves a conversation about the new barrel-proof James E. Pepper. This thing's rocking and rolling all over the place right now, guys. It is making all of the end of year best of luck lists and it is absolutely delicious and what do we do with it what do we do on this show after we talk about good whiskey we drink it and that's exactly what we do we sit down we have a pour Amir walks me through the thought process behind bringing this barrel proof to market, and Cody tells me how he made it as good as it is. It's a damn good conversation, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. I want to thank Cody and Amir for coming on to the program. I've known Amir for a while, and it's always good to sit down and learn something from him about whiskey, and I seem to do that every time we talk. So thank you, buddy, for coming back on. Uh, I, I'm not going to do much time up top today. It's the holiday season. I I'm in a great mood. We're almost there. We're at episode 91 of the Bourbon Showdown podcast. We should be crossing that 100 mark in season eight. Season seven, though, is not over yet. We're about to finish it off. We're about to close it out. We've got a few more surprises. And then leading up to that beautiful episode 100, got something in store for you guys that you're not going to see coming. So keep coming back every week, listening to more episodes of the Bourbon Showdown podcast. We ask that you do go hit like and subscribe on all of the things. Leave us a five, star review on apple podcast that is how we grow this thing that is how we get what we need to get the people on the show and talk whiskey with them for you guys so help us grow and we appreciate it as always and i I think that's it that's all i'm gonna say i'm excited for you guys to hear this conversation so without further adia let's get this thing started shall we it's Amir pay it's cody giles it's james e pepper my name's jesse jones let's start the show welcome guys amir it's good to see you again cody welcome to the show we've got amir pay and cody giles from james e pepper on the show today so happy to have you back on so good to talk to you great to be here likewise Ever since this show started, uh, we were just talking about it before we started recording. James E. Pepper has been a constant on my shelf. It's one of the first brands that I really sunk my teeth into, not only from a historical standpoint, but also from a just pure enjoyment of the liquid standpoint. So I appreciate you coming back. I appreciate you talking more whiskey with me today. Amir, you have been busy, man. I I think the last time you and I talked, it was like 2021. Uh, We were still kind of bunkered down a little bit. Uh, And now everything has gone from what we discussed to reality. Like even behind you right now, I can see the James E. Pepper distillery. It's back up and it's in full glory Uh, uh, for anybody that's been living under a rock. Maybe tell me a little bit about the brand. Tell me about James E. Pepper.
1: Well, absolutely. It's my pleasure. And I I enjoyed talking with you back then and happy to see the world has gone to somewhat normal. You know, we're out of that at least phase. Cheers Um, to that. Yeah. And so it's uh, it's a great old brand and story, you know, about the brand and the family, as well as the actual physical distillery itself. You know, Um, the brand is arguably the oldest whiskey brand in Kentucky history, uh, founded during the American Revolution, uh, distilled over three family generations. Uh, Elijah Pepper, the original family member, began distilling during the American Revolution in 1780. Uh, in 1812, he founded a distillery uh, site that today is in Versailles, Kentucky. Today goes by the name of Woodford Reserve. So um, that's a obviously a pretty well-known brand and distillery. Uh, his son, Oscar Pepper, took over that property, hired a Scottish chemist by the name of Dr. James C. Crow. They perfected the sour mash process. Uh, for making whiskey, which ensured quality and consistency from one batch to the next, um, and really in the the mid 1800s, the Civil War era uh, made it a very famous brand. It was really arguably the first brand of whiskey, uh, Old Crow and Old Pepper, and so uh, it was a favorite whiskey of you know many famous. Americans like Ulysses S. Grant and Andrew Jackson and Henry Clay and and many many others. It was
0: the whiskey that when Ulysses S. Grant was winning uh, battles, uh, Abraham Lincoln was like, "Whatever he's drinking, buy more of it." Right. The the yeah
1: the the story goes that that some of the other Grant really liked his whiskey and he liked Oscar Pepper and Old Crow whiskey. Um, and the story goes that some of the other generals went to Lincoln to complain. That Grant was drinking too much. And Lincoln famously replied, well, if any of you can tell me what brand he drinks, I would like to send a barrel of it to every general in the field. (laughs) So, you know, he was talking about the whiskey from the Old Pepper Distillery. Um, And when when Oscar passed, uh, his son, James E. Pepper, his oldest son, took over. Uh, the operation. Uh, At the time, he was 15 years old. So the family said, hey, you need some help and guidance. And they brought in uh, an old family friend and business partner who actually became James's legal guardian at that
0: age. And that guy's name was Colonel E.H. Taylor. Uh, So you were steeped in every part of the whiskey history, man. I mean, from Crow to to frickin Taylor. I mean, you guys are the encyclopedia of, if you listen to a book on whiskey history, you hear pepper brought up all the time.
1: It it is there. And this is what drew me to the brand is its role in the, the origins of, of whiskey and bourbon in in Kentucky. uh, And and this role during this, this really formative era. Um, And, and so James, yeah, I mean, all these characters get thrown out. It's like a soap opera, you know? So it's a lot of fun. Um, And so James though, actually, you know, Taylor told him to expand the property and said, hey, I'll even loan you money to do it. Uh, And a few years later, Taylor got into financial troubles and his loans got called in and he had to call in Peppers and James defaulted. And that's how he lost that property um and and it was sold to a company later called LeBron and graham uh but all those old buildings were built by the peppers and you know james went to uh so here, here is james he's a young guy he's in his 20s he's broke he has no distillery but he had contacts and he had his name and he knew how to make whiskey so he went to new york raised money from a wine merchant and came right back to uh to lexington right to behind where i am the distillery and in 1880, he built the James E. Pepper Distillery in downtown Lexington, uh, which at the time was the largest and most technologically advanced distillery in the United States. Uh, and from there, you know, he was just one of the the, the biggest producers of high grade American whiskey. Uh, was a very interesting character, you know. Had one of the finest thoroughbred horse farms in the United States, if not the world. Raced his horses in the Derby, the Oaks, even brought his horses to England, raced against the King of England, and beat him for the Doncaster Cup. Um, and, you know, legend has it, the old fashioned cocktail was invented in his honor. And, I mean, I, I could just go on and on. I, I could literally talk for an hour about the history of the brand. Um, and so, but I want to talk about our whiskey here today. So, for yes. anybody who wants to I'll talk a little bit more about the history, but if you want to get more into it, please listen to the previous episode here. We do a deep dive. James Pepper, do a deep dive. We'll go to our website, jamesepepper.com, and we actually have a 10-minute documentary uh, that we made with a local PBS filmmaker uh, that tells all this history and shows a lot of really cool images. Uh, But to really quickly wrap up the the story, um, you know, James uh, died in 1906, um, had no children, was, the distillery was sold to investors. The distillery and the brand continued to be produced through prohibition, um, after prohibition, um, through the 30s, 40s, 50s, into the 60s, it would continue to be produced. Uh, and then the 1960s, the industry had a hard time. Uh, there was overproduction, a lot of distilleries were closed. Things like vodka and gin became popular and our distillery was shut down in 1967 uh, and abandoned along with the brand for over 50 years. Um, Fast forward, that's when I came to the picture, 2007, 2008, um, acquired the rights to the brand, relaunched it, uh, began a campaign of extensive historical research for over 15 years, um, partnered with other distilleries initially to uh, relaunch the brand under the 1776 label, um, and then the whole time was visiting the old abandoned distillery, um, and with some great partners in Lexington, we we revitalized and rebuilt the distillery and began production there in December of 2017 um, using the exact same historic mash bill as when the plant shut down 50 years prior, 1967. Um, and and so this is a great time for us. Fast forward five years, um, where we now have bourbon and rye produced, you know, at the old distillery over five years old uh really beautiful whiskeys uh produced by cody giles here as you're seeing cody's been with us since day one uh with there filling those first barrels you know in december 2017 and and that's why this is a fun time for us because we we've, we've got these mature whiskeys or you know getting they're getting really where we want them uh, and that's what we're excited to talk
0: about that's awesome and I know from the last time we spoke, well, like, like, again, it was in the middle of the pandemic, but you had been rebuilt or, you know, re uh, I guess, building uh, the distillery and, and you had whiz or you, you know, you were making the final touches on the distillery and had whiskey going. It's super exciting now that you've got uh James E pepper from the Lexington distillery on the shelf. And now it brings us to this. I mean, beautiful frickin barrel uh that this i I can't it's gorgeous amir like this barrel proof that you've put in this decanter is just absolutely uh and it pays homage to that james e pepper uh swagger that he had back in the day. Uh, when you look at some of the old bottles, uh, this would fit right in with some of that that you would have seen actually, as he crossed the country. That
1: bottle. Yeah, 100%. That bottle actually is a recreation of a decanter that they produced at the distillery in 1945, in the 1940s. Perfect. So it's a vintage bottle. There, we have over 100 years of labels and bottles to choose for inspiration for package design. But this one bottle, we always just thought was the most timeless, classic, elegant um and so yeah we work with one of the best glass companies in the world you know sent them the old bottle they you know did three-dimensional scans uh and recreated it and we're, we're really happy with the bottle uh and and, and are really more happy with the
0: whiskey inside but they both come together great yeah hey well I'm, I'm i cannot wait to get into this glass right here uh cody i think that's where you come in tell me a little bit about yourself how did you get to james e pepper what was your whiskey journey
2: yeah, so um, I, uh, I was born at Central Baptist in Lexington, not very far from the distillery, um, grew up about two hours away. Um, so bourbon sort of, when you grow up in Kentucky, you're, you become aware of bourbon very quickly. Um, <laughs> I went to UK for chemical engineering, um, and that was right about the time the UK started up a distillation winemaking brewing certificate program. Um Through that program. That's how I met Amir um, before they broke ground um, here on the renovation project. Um, And then after graduating in the spring of 2017, uh, started working under Amir in November. And uh, yeah, I had a really good mentor when I started that came down from a coaching tree line from MGP, which I I think Amir agrees with me on this, that the distillers there be considered some of the best in the world. Um, so yeah, I'll I think tell you, it set me up really well, and I've been having a great time ever since. And now that we're putting the whiskey out that that we've made, it's very exciting. Uh, there, Ian is just one of the nicest, uh,
0: smartest guys to talk to. So uh, it, it, anybody from that learning tree that you got to sit under could only uh, could only help and uh, guide. So that's a, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, we had.
1: It had it was Aaron Schorsch was with us for a while. He was great. Um, he'd spent 10 years at Lawrenceburg when it was operated by Seagrams, spent time at Sam Adams and Jim Beam. Uh, and he was with us in the early years. Unfortunately, you know, he left us, but you know, we love him. So, you know, uh, but Cody was there with him the whole time. I think Greg Metz uh, was a big influence on us, as well as you know, Larry Ebersoll. And really, you know, a- anybody who came out of that Seagram's, you know, empire. Really, some of the the smartest, uh, most technically trained, you know, distillers, and even on the business side, just it was such a great company, Seagram's, and and um, you know, especially on the whiskey production side, so much knowledge there. Um, so yeah, we I think we were very fortunate to get influences uh, and guidance from from people like that.
0: Well, I mean, you just named three freaking wise men of whiskey. So uh, you you were in fantastic hands in the beginning and now they've handed off the reins. Uh, Cody, walk me through a little bit of, of how you replicate uh, such a famous brands liquid as you have with the James E pepper mash bill.
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, sitting in the back of my mind starting here, we always, I've always wanted to, to do the brand justice because of how, historically significant it was and then what it meant for for the Kentucky bourbon industry. Um, I think Amir had a great came with a great plan for the for the mash bill designs um, and the idea to blend on the back end more akin to like uh, the tradition of Irish whiskey um, and and things of that nature. So we can really sort of tune the flavor profile we want to by adjusting uh, the amounts of mash bills that go into into the bottle um so we we start with uh with our production schedule and the uh, start with the ratios of the mash bills that we made um and and from there it's really uh not too scientific approach i i went uh just started tasting messing with proportions um i hadn't done i'd never done whiskey blending before um but after a few years i've i've gotten comfortable with my palate i think i I think I know my way around it. Um and uh yeah, it, it turned out really well. I'm very, very pleased with with what we ended up with. That's
0: awesome. Uh you you mentioned that Irish method, uh Amir or Cody. Could you walk me through a little bit more on that and 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 what your thought process was when you started? Like like why did you pick that method uh to kind of follow?
1: Sure. Let me I uh, guess back backtrack a little bit. I guess it's it's Yeah, it could be Ireland, but really Scotland, Canada. It's really, I guess, more than one region. It's an idea about blending being really important. Um, And and so what we do, the mash bills we produce at the old distillery, we produce um, some historic mash bills, like the actual mash bills they're running historically at that distillery uh, we have literally <clears throat> thousands of pages of documentation about exact mash bills, production methods, you know, cook temperatures, you know, all, all, all this stuff, um, almost too much information, to be honest. <laughs> so we you produce some of those historic mash bills. But then, you know, this is a fun time to make whiskey. And we're, we're you know, have one of them be innovative and do put our own fingerprint on things. Uh, we, of course, want to honor the tradition and the heritage of the brand and the distillery. So you know, we decided to have this distilling program. We produce these historic mash bills that are very classic, typical, although the rye is pretty unique. It's 100 percent rye. But for the bourbon, you know, very typical bourbon recipe with with rye in it. Um, And then we we produce what we call isolated flavor grain grain blending component bourbons. It's a mouthful. Uh, But what we do is we look at the historic Flavor grains used at the distillery. That would be raw rye, malted barley, malted rye. And we produce bourbon mashables that highlight and isolate those flavor grains. For example, 51% corn, 49% barley malt, you know, 51% corn, 45% raw rye, and a little bit of malted rye in there uh, for the for the fermentation. 51 percent uh uh corn 49 malted rye so we we isolate those historic flavor grains so we're not using there's no quinoa there's no buckwheat or anything it's like we look at the historic <laughs> grain palette right isolate it distill those separately age them separately along with those historic mash bills, and then blend them on the back end and that is what we've seen pretty unique for kentucky but it is really not unique in the world of whiskey. If you go to Canada, they will produce whiskeys with 100% corn, 100% rye, 100% barley malt, and then blend them together. You go to Scotland or Ireland, the art of blending is very old. People are producing single malts, are producing peated single malts, are producing grain whiskeys. There's a lot of blending. You you look at Japan, I mean, they're putting in over hundred components. So so I think it was just for us to say, how do we, you know, honor the history and tradition, uh, but at the same time, like innovate, because that's really how you would honor James Pepper's legacy, because he was such an innovator. Um, He was the, you know, got the law changed in Kentucky to allow him to bottle whiskey at the distillery, you know, it was illegal before he got it changed. He had to sue the state of Kentucky. Um, uh, So, you know, our distillery was the first distillery in Kentucky to bottle its own whiskey at the distillery. And that's because he wanted to control the quality. He didn't want to have to sell to rectifiers who would then bottle their whiskey and maybe do shady stuff with it. He also, along with the H. Taylor, was was a big part of the Bottled and Bond Act getting passed, which was the first consumer protection law ever passed in the United States, and and is the first law to define and codify what American whiskey is, uh, and created a standard for whiskey that today is arguably the highest standard in the world for any kind of brown spirit. So he was very innovative and and contributed a lot to to developing and moving along the bourbon industry and and creating it to the modern bourbon industry, along with V. H. Taylor. So we want to honor his tradition, what he was doing and what this distillery did historically, but also honor that through innovation, and through pushing it along. Um, so this is a program that we felt would do that. And, and it was been really fun and, you know, kind of nerve wracking, have to sit in our hands and wait for the whiskey to age, <laughs> but then yes, we get this really great palette of whiskeys. Um, you know, and again, people have have distilled bourbons using 51% corn. We're not the first one to do that by no means. Um, but I think what's unique that we're doing is we have a comprehensive program to distill multiple grain bills like that like i described and then blend them together on the back end and i don't see anybody who's had a program like that that's their program um and 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 yeah and so that's the architecture of it um but then you know we got to build it and that's where Cody comes in and he he's done a really phenomenal job uh building his blending chops uh we have a great tasting panel obviously I, i'm on the tasting panel but Cody is you know the, the the lead blender and he puts the blends together and puts them to the panel um, and he's done great. you know, I think you're, you' you obviously build your sensory analysis through new distillate and through working at the distillery bottlings throughout the years and 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 he's done that. Um, and then, you know, we tasked him with with the the very important uh, you know goal of of creating this final blend for the decanter and the bottled bond whiskeys too. Um, and he's really knocked it out of the park. I mean, you know, I got to say the the decanter bourbon is so new. We haven't really had any award shows or, or any writers review it. The bottle and bond bourbon, uh, we submitted to the New York World Spirits competition where it won double gold medal, which is, you know, nice. every judge gave it a, a gold medal. Um, it's one of the best competitions in the world. Everything is tasted blind. The biggest brands in the world submit. And I'm just going to take a second. I got to brag and, and, and put Cody in the spotlight. Blind in our, in our, in our group, we beat with the bottle and bond bourbon, uh, about four or five Weller products, including the Weller 12. Um, we beat E.H. Taylor barrel proof. We beat, um, uh, a bunch of blue runs. We beat a bunch of, uh, was Eagle rare 10. It was like a murderer's row and everything <laughs> is like well over a hundred. If you can find it not 300, $500 a bottle. Um, and you can buy our bottle and bond for 50 bucks, you know, and That's awesome. so it's if- it's really gratifying to see them come together, but also see this this idea of this blending program be realized through through Cody's work. Uh,
0: I love that you said 50 bucks. I know we talked about this last time. I still am blown away when I go to the store and I see it sitting on the shelf uh, like like kudos to you for not upping it because you totally could you 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 know that this right here could go for 30 more you know that the rye could yeah. go for 20 more i i love that you're you're just putting out good whiskey at a price point that people can actually afford i i think that's commendable thank you i you know look i think the
1: whole team we we take it very seriously we're very appreciative when somebody plunks down their hard-earned money to buy a bottle of our whiskey that's right. Um, you That's know, right. we're, we're, we're also whiskey connoisseurs and, and have collections of whiskey and buy other bottles of whiskey. And so you want to come to it from that point of view of like, this is a solid proposition, you know, and that doesn't mean cheap or anything. It just means, Hey, we're, we're gonna make a good living and, and have a profitable business at this price point. And we feel for the age of the whiskey and, you know, look, a lot also goes into it. I mean, we, you know, work with one farmer for all of our corn. Uh, our Cooperage is, um, you know, only the finest, only Kentucky oak, only air season a minimum of eighteen to twenty-four months. Uh, the average uh, whiskey barrels air season about six months, um, and a lot of thought goes into our production process. We don't do anything to cut corners. Um, everything we do is about quality. That's the driving force, um, and so I, I think that, you know, we're not going to be the cheapest whiskey on the shelf. Um, but we feel good about where we position it. And we're in this for the long term. We're not in this for a short term, you that's know, right. you know, money grab, if you will, or whatever we we want to be and we also want to be a people's daily pour. We we think that's the greatest compliment. You don't want to be that thing that's in a collection in the back and no one touches it. No, you want to be an approach to whiskey. Um, so I think that's that's our goal.
0: Well, that's the beauty of it, too. Uh, and I think you guys have really done a good job. I I, I agree that this is my daily sipper is one of the best compliments that you can get. Uh, it's yeah. meant to be drank. Like anytime anybody comes to the den, we, of course, we are sampling probably more than we should. But I don't think sampling enough. Uh, but If it's open, you know, it's there to be drank. Open it if it's not open and have a pour. That's what it's here for. The uh, 100%. Oh, and this guy right here, I've had him sitting for about 30 minutes now, just letting it open up a little bit. Uh, it's 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 gorgeous. We, we can get into that if you want to. Uh, but you mentioned also your your, uh, your air drying for as long as you do. I don't think people realize that it, it, how expensive that is when you've got the, the that Cooperage airy, airing out for as long as you have. Like, that's not just sitting in your backyard. Like, that's that's money on the table when you wait that long. It's a testament to the quality uh, control that you guys have that you're not uh, either kiln-drying it or doing the, the bare minimum of six months. Like, you're letting it really percolate out there in the elements so that it can be uh, as porous as it can be when you put that whiskey in it.
1: Yeah, it really breaks down the tannins in the oak, and, you know, that's a testament to our partner Calvin Cooperage, who we work with, they're great and you know, they make fantastic, uh, you know, barrels. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's just, there's a lot of decisions you make and and a lot of ways you can, uh, you know, try to craft your whiskey. Uh, but I think we just try again, everything is to, to the edge of quality, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, honoring tradition, but also kind of trying to, you know, innovate a little bit off of that
0: tradition, but in line with it. So. Totally, which takes us back to the blending, Cody. How long? Like, I'm always super nervous when I blend. Like, if I'm blending, I, I'm always terrified that I'm going to um, um, mess it up. But again, I'm not trained to do it. I only do it in my in my limited capacity. If that is my limited capacity, and you have the scope of a brand on your shoulders, how do you get past that? Like, it just seems like like it seems like I you'd be gray headed, uh, or, or it, it seems nerve wracking to me.
2: Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> first going into it, uh, it, uh, it's, a, it is a little bit overwhelming because you have all these barrels and these recipes and you're de- making the first decision on how it's going to be blended. And then sort of this, this, so this initial release, um, it's sort of pointing our pointing our, our ship in a certain direction, that's that's what we're going to take. So it did feel like a really important uh, blend to come up with, um, I think. And also, I th- think working with the uh, sourced whiskey at the beginning um, really helps uh, just tasting a bunch of barrels um, mm-hmm. and then mixing those barrels and seeing what happens, because it's not it's not an exact science, right? If, if the fermentation and distillation um is, is a science then the blending is the art right, right. um so well said it, it's just it's interesting how, how it interacts how two barrels can be combined can be greater than the sum of their parts and and feeling that out and and i'm still learning and i still have a lot to hone in on i think um but yeah and and specifically uh rye malt has seemed to be an interesting thing to blend in um I, I really like the way rye malt interacts with the bourbon when we blend it in um from if we take that 40 49 rye malt um whenever that gets added it always seems to do something to make the body a lot nicer and it, it's cool S- <laughs> blending is really out. cool yeah completely for sure uh,
0: and and super jealous i can only imagine a day that starts where you know you're going to be drinking a 100% rye, and it's just it's malted rye and rye combined. It just seems like a beautiful
2: way to start your day. Yeah, for sure. So I had the uh, the privilege of tasting so many MGP rye barrels, and, and it's it's some of the best rye I've ever had <laughs> for sure. Well, and and what a great
0: way to introduce the brand to the public. I mean, by having them as a resource, it allowed you to have that level of quality control that, that you guys value uh, right out of the gate while you were uh, getting the uh, distillery renovated and getting your own mash bills put together, uh, which takes us from those original 1776 offerings, uh, the, the rye bottled in bond, which is how I found you, uh, all the way to this new absolutely beautiful barrel proof. Uh, We talked about it a little bit in terms of the glassware, but when you, I mean, you don't do this unless you're trying to make a statement. And I, I, that's why I wanted to talk to you today, hear a little bit about that statement and what you were trying to achieve when you put this bad boy together.
1: Well, I'll I'll let Cody talk about the blend and and the the profile, but I, I think you're right. We just said we want to have something that shows our, our oldest stocks, um and what we think is the the best that we can blend in a given year and i think that's what we what we want through this bottle and product
0: oh man i i have had it poured now for about half an hour the nose on this amir is gorgeous you it's like this beautiful figgy blackberry it, it's just wonderful it it is really interesting seeing how the blends come together because
1: you know you can try things individually And, you know, maybe it's not the best thing you tasted or you're not sure how to put your finger on it. But then the way it plays a role in the final blend is interesting. And and you don't know until you try. And so I think Cody does a really good job putting together lots of different takes on the blends for the panel, you know. And and, and that's the fun thing about our program here. I think this first year, you know, this is the year, you know, we put out the bottled bond. We put out this. This is a barrel-proof, you know, cast strength. Uh, which by the way, barrel proof. We do low barrel entry proof, so we're at about hundred and five proof cast strength on this. I was um, wondering that, and, and yeah, um, and so not not a drop of water added. We 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 create the batches, and then we go to the label printer, and you know, get the 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 proofs, the alcohol percentage printed up. Um, so low, but but with both of them, we wanted to first try to sort of create a a. Uh, I guess you call it our, our you know, core blend, where we say, hey, this is is how we're going to have a core blend uh, based on the stocks we have available in our program. Um, but then going forward, we had this is the fun thing about, again about our program is we have the ability to do some really interesting blends that are more limited um, and that are kind of special releases. So for us out of the gate, we were like, all right, what's our core everyday blend, if you will? Um, and, and that's what we put together here. I think in this initial releases of the decanter barrel-proof
0: bourbon, but also in the bottled and bond, man, it, there's a a depth to the nose that I super appreciate. Uh, it's not a flat, it's not a singular, uh, sensation that you're getting off of the nose. You're getting the sings through. You're getting the dark fruit coming through. You're getting a hint of sweet from the corn. Like it is a gorgeous fricking nose. I love it when you're just trying to identify what's in the glass. That's like my favorite part. Well, yeah. Other than drinking it, it's one of those that you can sit with and and kind of, uh, diagnose as you go. Like there's so much going on in it that it doesn't get boring when you go back to it, you know, which I think is the makeup of a good day sipper.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I think we, we look for, you know, when you blend, you got to kind of look for what's your style, right? What are you looking for? Right. Um, some people want to be extreme in one direction or the other, which is fine. If that's your style, your house sure. style. Right. I mean, if you want to go drink, you know, Lagavulin 16, you're, you're not looking for a balanced, you know, whiskey, you're looking for a big punch of Pete in the face. Um, right. but I think Cody yeah, and and our goal is like, you know, especially on these, again, this core releases is structure, right. And, and, and balance. Um, and and layers of flavor uh and complexity that that you can sip on i think what cody achieved with this uh you know release is uh you know a whiskey a bourbon that's traditional and you get a lot of these traditional notes you know i'm I'm getting these you know marzipan and you get you know the vanilla the yolk you get you know i get little maraschino cherries um it'd be really interesting to see other people what what they get. everyone obviously has their tasting notes. Um, so, uh, so a lot of the notes are, I think, you know, some of those classic Kentucky bourbon notes, but also there's some unique things going on, right and and it's maybe not as much of a big blast up front as some bourbons can be. Um, but there's just this really great mid
0: palette and finish and and a structure throughout throughout the taste the flavor. Hey, well, I'm going in. Cheers, fellas. Cody, very Cheers. nice to meet you. Amir, always good to talk. Pleasure. Mm. Very, very good. Oh, man. I wouldn't sell yourself short on that front either. I get what you're saying. The mid-palate is gorgeous, but I really – I think it's from start to finish. It's got everything you want in a whiskey – I think it's got a great front of it. I think the front of it's awesome. Sorry, I didn't mean to
1: say the front is not good. I think what I meant is um, it's, I think, consistent throughout. That's right. right. I I got you. I think some, some, whether it's whiskeys or wines, you may have a really big upfront on the palate or even a big on the finish. But I think this is a very consistent Hmm. throughout. At least that's how
0: I drink it. Perfectly put. Oh, my goodness. It also doesn't um, it doesn't pull a U-turn on you like like the nose is consistent with the palate. Like, you know how sometimes you'll be getting notes off the uh, off the nose and then you'll go in and it'll be like uh, a complete right turn. This right Mm -hmm. here is a cohesive uh, uh, through line from nose to. Oh, man. I love the depth of flavor on this thing. Like I'm trying to talk about what I'm tasting while what I'm tasting is still unfolding. Oh, the rye plays beautifully with this. You keep getting that allspice like kind of trickling in through the other notes that you're getting while you drink it. And you're right. It's got all of the classic notes that you like from a Kentucky whiskey. And there's like that depth of flavor that takes it a little further in terms of good to great. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. What about you, Cody, what are your, what are the notes that, that jump out to you?
2: Oh, so good. I mean, I agree. And I think like when I was, and when really, when we're approaching any blend here, I think, um, we're looking for complexity, but at the same time, balancing that with cohesiveness. Right. So we're not trying to take sharp turns. Um, we we want to do exactly what you're saying. Which is just flow through the front to the mid palette, to the finish. Yeah. It all just makes sense in a way. God bless. It's now, so good. it knows on other blends, we might get a
1: little wild. I mean, that's the really fun thing about this, this, this stocks of whiskey we had to blend with.
0: Um, but yeah, I think you nailed it on this one. Well, And it's also consistent with the other expressions that you put out you you know what i mean like if you like james e pepper like if you're a fan of the 1776 you're a fan of the bottled and bond then this right here is like a heightened version of that which i also appreciate from a consumer standpoint because that consistency is how you build a, a brand. That's how you get people coming back for the expressions that you put out. Uh there's a play, and we've talked about this before, Amir. There's a place on the shelf for every style of whiskey. I I think the people doing uh uh sometimes you're in the mood for funk, sometimes you're in the mood for awesome. Uh uh, some and sometimes those two things uh are in the same bottle. Uh, My taste always trends towards if I'm going for a daily sipper, I want it to be uh, something like this right here uh, versus one of those right turns like you were talking, Cody. Uh, I want it to be something where from glass to empty glass, it is just uh, through and through consistent with the brand that I bought it to be. Yeah,
1: I think I think that's really well put. I mean, you, you kind of it's helpful, I think, to have a house style mm-hmm. and we definitely rye heavy in our style. And I think that's important for, for you know, consumers. I know like when they when they grab a bottle of Jamesy e. pepper, like if you like rye, we're a rye house, you know, whether it's in our rye whiskeys or our bourbons, you're going to get that rye component there um, and, and also proof like we don't put out anything, you know, less than 100 proof, you know, and so we're higher proof or we're, we're, we're rye focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have you know a house style, and I think that that's important because people want to know what what do you what are you getting into when you go for it? Um the whiskey, the other thing with this this whiskey, I mean, again, cast strength at about 105 proof is the drinkability, I think. Uh and I think that's what we look for also in a daily sipper, is is just is is drinkability. Uh I, I won't use the word smooth. We hear it a lot in the gift shop when people try it, you know. Uh <laughs> I like drinkability. But you just want it to be something that when you sip on, and, and this is where we know we've found a good hit in the tasting panel, is we'll be sitting in the lab, tasting through stuff, and okay, we've gotten through the technical part of it, and we've chosen our favorite blend, and then, all right, meeting is technically over, but we just kind of linger a little bit, and just start, you know, shooting the shit, and just drinking, you know, the Kool-Aid, if you will, and just drinking, and, and you're like, oh, like, we got to go back to work, like, this is... <laughs> it kind of creeps up on you. you're you like hey we ought to stop maybe that's when we're like hey this is this is what we're going for
0: you know that's right um well what's yeah. the beauty of working in whiskey if you can't drink some of it from time to time <laughs> amen uh, and it's it's interesting i go back and forth like i i've um I, I i've talked to multiple people and like smooth is not a compliment to people i i think smooth is in the same echelon for me as when people say it's hot you, you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. there are uh, uh, not everybody geeks out on it like we do. You've got a lot of general consumers that are just finding whiskey. And I think when you're new or not even new, I think sometimes if, if you're like uh, Cody, when you're building your sensory, when you're building the sensory that leads to a good palate, you got to start somewhere. Right. And I think when people – the same as like you don't know – you can't pick out certain elements of a whiskey because you've never tasted that before. I think the same is true with the vernacular we use when describing it. Uh, To some folks, all they know is that front door, uh, smooth and hot. It's either smooth or it's hot. And then as they go further down the whiskey rabbit hole, then they sort of like, well, okay, when when I said smooth, what I think I was meaning was this. And it's like that right. growth that you see as they start understanding uh, uh, what their actual palate thumb fingerprint is. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and I, and when I when I first started, um, I drank a little whiskey in college. Um, I wouldn't say that I was uh, a connoisseur or uh, appreciative of of the finer. Uh, subtleties about the whiskeys but um, when I started working and you start drinking higher proof you start getting used to um, the proof of the distillate coming off the still then you can start really appreciating what's in there um, once you get because eventually the, the the hotness will go away too like you, you're used to to drinking a uh, proof that high and then and then that's when you can really start diving in well, and that's what I
0: tell people all the time. It's like, ooh, this one's hot. I'm like, no, no. give it a second. Give, give it. Go back. Go back for more. It, it's. Uh, uh, it, I don't know. I. I, I I'm. That's just. Uh, we're always educating people, right? Or I guess that's like part of the job as well. Uh, you can't get mad at folks what they don't know about what they don't know, unless it's like two years later and they're still using the same words. At which point, they're just drinking it to drink it which there's something to be said for that too i guess i'm very middle of the road today amir I'm, I'm 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 very bipartisan between uh between the the neophyte and the and the snob i guess
1: well it's a hard line to walk and you know look it's it, you know you can't please all the people all the time right so i think it's also look there's levels to this whiskey thing right and and that's right i think you know i i try to be thoughtful about who i'm drinking with and 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 just say look you know if i'm drinking with somebody who's already into barrel proof bourbons and they, they know like, okay, let's, let's go here, you know, and if I'm drinking with, with people who are not, like, no problem, like, let's go here, you know, and, That's right. and I think you just kind of, you got to know your audience, if you will. And, and I think make sure, you know, for us, what we do at the distillery, when we produce our whiskeys, we, we want to make, try and make things that um, the biggest purists, in, which include ourselves can enjoy and can understand and, 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 and ruminate on and talk about but also make things that are just taste good and are easy to enjoy for your neophyte, if you will. Um, that's right. because that's a lot of people who drink whiskey, that's who they are. And they're not, they don't work in the industry. They're, they're not super educated and, and they can't because they're, you know, an accountant or a lawyer and they've got a family and they don't have time to do all. So they just like whiskey and they want to just try and drink it. And that's okay too. You know? And so I think we, we, it's nice to try and make things that people can just drink and it just tastes good. It just be easy eat you us, know, it tastes good. Right. Uh and everything shouldn't be this big mental, you know, thing you gotta like climb this mountain and explain and people gotta like get over some hurdle to taste it. Um I think people should just taste and go, oh,
0: that tastes good. You know, that's at least one goal we have. Yeah, boom. Perfectly so. put, perfectly put. And I, I think that's why I'm so bipartisan with the with the words that I use is that I don't want anybody to ever have a bad time drinking whiskey. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's meant to be enjoyable. Uh, and if if there's a... Like you just said, know your audience. If that group over there wants to make it complicated, that's them enjoying it. And to the person that just wants to get off work and have a good pour, that's them enjoying it. Like there's no reason to make it any harder than that right there. A hundred percent. And it
1: comes to your point about, you know, a style, a house style. Like you need to have your house style. You can't be all things to all people. So, you know, some people just like 80 proof whiskeys and that's fine. You know, God bless them. Nothing wrong with that. James E. Pepper is not the brand for you then. If you like 80 proof whiskeys, like we're just, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're drinkable. You know, we have a, we're very drinkable. We're approachable. Um, you know, people are are sometimes, you know, amazed at the proof and how how dr- easy it is to drink. Um, but yeah, we're, we're probably not going to be the one for you. And that's fine. It's a big world. The that's same right. token, there are people who want those, you know, George T. Stag. you call them hazmat whiskeys, uh, you know, 140, 150 proof well, that's not going to be us also because we go in the barrel and our bourbon's 107, 110. We're just not going to hit 140, 150 proof. Right, right. And that's okay, too. Like, we've got a bandwidth of of, of proof and of, of grain bills and flavor profile, and we like it, and this is our style, and I think we want to stay there. So, again, you know, to, to what we were saying earlier, it means a lot to us when somebody – buys a bottle of whiskey, uh, you know, in a store or calls it out in a bar, you know, and, and, and sees it and tries it on a bar, then maybe they see a new release. They haven't tried yet. Um, we want to be in somewhat of a ballpark. We can, we can have some, uh, you know, variation and do some things there, but we want to
0: be in that ballpark, uh, of what we've kind of established. Well, it is an absolute beautiful whiskey. Uh, I'm on the, like, as it sits with me, even the finish, like, like and I, I think you're exactly right. Like the proof point that you guys have uh, in general and in this one, it it is the perfect amount. Like it's it's not an 80 and it's not a hazmat. It's enough to wear everything you liked about the palette. It, it kind of flows through into the finish. And then you get to sit with it a little longer. It doesn't go away. It, it, it doesn't, like, uh, dissipate immediately. It, it it sticks around, and you get those flavor notes through the finish, which I think is just the ABC of doing it the right way. Your nose matches the palate. The palate flows into the finish. Like, it's gorgeous. It's an absolutely beautiful whiskey.
1: Thank you very much. That means a lot to hear you say that. We're, we're really thrilled that you're enjoying it.
0: Well, as soon as uh, – I. Yes, it's, it's and it's your right. It, it's it's you guys being right forward, I think, is what made me gravitate to James E. Pepper in the first place. And that is definitely existent in this uh, expression as well. Uh, where can people get this? Like, is this a nationwide release? Is this a distillery only release? It is rolling out uh, in, in most markets, major
1: markets across the United States, uh, The the new Decanter barrel proof bourbon uh, is just getting out there. So it might be a little more tricky to find. Uh, it is a everyday core item. Uh, it's available at the distillery uh, in our gift shop um, and, and starting to you know, pop up in, in a lot of markets across the country. So we're, we're working on getting more out there.
0: We've, we've, we've got a fair amount, so it'll be it'll be out there. Beautiful. Well, as always, I don't taste it until I talk to the people that make it. Uh, now that it's cracked, I've got about five guys salivating just waiting <laughs> uh this thing is not going to make it to monday so i might have to make a trip to lexington if it doesn't get to north carolina soon
1: please please yeah unfortunately north
0: carolina is not one of those markets we're going to go into that'll take a little bit longer um, ah. but, uh yeah, all right but, and we'll uh, have to carmen san diego within and just find it somewhere we'll have to globetrot to find this bad boy done deal or please do come see us in lexington you know we've got it in the, in the
1: gift shop and the distillery and of course you can just try try some things out of the barrel too that's that's a fun way to do it which is basically what you're trying now but yeah
0: there's no better experience than when you get to like the drill goes in the liquid comes out and all of a sudden your day just got better yeah yeah hundred uh, percent that's that's a yeah and with the distillery, like, I, I tell, it's like a brand new world for me. The last time we talked, it was not open to the public. It's open to the public now. Uh, what can people expect when they visit you in Lexington?
1: Well, we are. We're right downtown Lexington. Uh, we're on the Bourbon Trail, um, and we've got a great uh, distillery tour operation. We have a museum where we we share the history with you and talk about that in depth. Uh, then you take a tour of the full work in distillery where we're distilling, you know, seven days a week. You'll probably see Cody. He's there right now um, and uh, and just the great team of distillers. So you go through that. And of course, we've got lots of really nice whiskeys to taste. Uh, we have a, a very nice, you know, selection of whiskeys to try in a bottle. I mean, everything from what we've been discussing here today, including a single malt we produce. Um, so you can have flights, buy a bottle. Uh, and or, you know, stay for a cocktail. We make one cocktail, the old fashioned cocktail, uh, you know, again, legend has it it was invented in honor of James E. Pepper, and then he introduced it to the world and It stays in New York City. Uh, and, and, and that story was printed in the old Waldorf bar book uh, with the recipe there. So that's a recipe we use. We make the old fashioned old fashioned uh, and, and it's it's pretty good. So, you know, definitely have one of those. And and come take the tour. Uh, that's what we advise, because uh, if you don't take the tour, you don't get in the museum, you don't get to see the, the cool work in distillery.
0: If there's any distillery that you really need a museum for, it is the James E. Pepper distillery. I mean, from literally the beginning from the nation's uh, uh, conception all the way till now. Uh, barring that James Bond uh, era where everybody went wacky and started drinking vodka (laughs) instead of whiskey. I don't understand that at all. Still don't understand that. Uh, But you guys, and you have a lot of, you're a history buff, so you've got a lot of that old memorabilia. I I bet it's just gorgeous. I bet it's absolutely gorgeous to go through and see some of that uh, because it was, James E. Pepper was one of the first international brands in in whiskey like like you could not go anywhere without seeing it back in like sure. freaking 1880s like i mean that's why yeah, re- one of the largest most heavily produced brands for
1: many many decades um and that's what we're really trying to do is you know we i i am a history buff uh, i love american history i love americana i love great old american brands um, and that's what really drew me to this, this brand. I mean, I was, I was into bourbon and whiskey already. Um, but it is such a great story. And there's so many parts of this American story that I think touch, you know, a lot of people in different ways, right? And it could be through the American revolution. It could be through, you know, his contributions to the bourbon industry or thoroughbred horse racing, or, you know, his sponsorship of, you know, some very famous, uh, athletes, Isaac Burns, Murphy, Jack Johnson, Um, You know, it's the decline and the resurrection of American manufacturing. You know, there's there's it's such a rich story um, that I think it it really touches a lot of people. And then to pair that with a really nice whiskey, you know, that makes it all special. And to do it all at the actual historic distillery, uh, I I feel very fortunate that we were able to bring the brand back to the actual historic distillery. Uh, We're DSP Kentucky number five. So it's a very old license. Um, and it's just really, I think, fulfilling for us all to be able to, you know, retell this great American story, resurrect this brand and to do it with with really fine whiskey that, you know, Cody and the team are producing and 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 we're all producing and getting it out there. Um, it's a lot of fun. And it's it's a this is a great year for us to be at this point. You know, you got to you do these things and you got to wait all these years for the whiskey to come of age. So. Please do come visit us. Got a lot of great whiskey to try Um, and, you know, more things to come as well.
0: Well, you've put the time in. You've done it the right way. You've paid attention to quality every step of the way and not taken any shortcuts. I think that's why the whiskey is as good as it is. You've put good people in place. You've got Cody doing amazing things. I I, honestly, I can't uh, I I keep thinking in the back of my head that the James E. Pepper movie would be absolutely amazing considering (laughs) how much he did in his lifetime and to have been in that era of, you know, Rockefellers and frickin um, uh, Carnegie's and all of the uh, uh, titans of industry. He would have been right there on the whiskey side of things. A hundred percent.
1: You know, look, he he. he has a, a a part in the history of american whiskey and kentucky bourbon um that that deserves to be acknowledged mm. um and you know that's that's what we're here to do so it's um you know got a cool museum again if you can't visit the distillery go to the website jamesy pepper watch the documentary uh and and hopefully also you can try the decanter bourbon which we're very proud of and is getting out there now
0: be looking for it it is the decanter james e pepper barrel proof bourbon it is absolutely delicious amir cody thank you so much for coming on the show today thanks for giving me more of your time i always enjoy talking to you amir and cody it's been a pleasure meeting you as well you guys keep making delicious whiskey i'll keep drinking it feel Justin. thank you so much man this is great we appreciate it of course cheers fellas There you have it, everybody. That is this week's episode. I want to thank Amir and Cody for coming on to the program, for walking us through the goodness that is the James E. Pepper Barrel Proof. You will know it when you see it on the shelf, because it's in a beautiful glass decanter. If you see it, I would recommend picking it up. It is absolutely delicious. It's making all of the end-of-year best-of lists that whiskey puts out every year, and with good reason. It is a damn good pour. So thank you, Amir and Cody, for coming on. Amir It's always good talking to him. He is just a wealth of knowledge on all things whiskey history. I love sitting down and sharing a drink with him just because I learn something every time. So thank you, fellas, for coming on the show. Next time, I got to get my ass to Lexington so we can do this in person, share a dram in real time. And that's it for this week. We're almost at the end of Season 7. That blows my mind. This is Episode 91 of the Bourbon Showdown Podcast. We're getting closer and closer to Episode 100. Have a pretty damn big surprise for Episode 100. And we're almost there, guys So once again, thanks everybody for listening If you would, please go hit like And subscribe on all the things Leave us a 5-star review on Apple Podcast It's how we grow this thing I just got the end of year stats for the show We are rocking and rolling in 2023 We want to thank all of our listeners In Israel, in Puerto Rico In Germany We are international at this point, people The Bourbon Showdown has listeners everywhere If I didn't name your country, then have more people Listen in your country That is a good Good damn time to be drinking whiskey right now, and I thank everybody for tuning in every week. So, uh, it's the holiday season. Everybody, please have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, be safe. If you're going to drink, don't drive. I think that goes without saying. Call a Lyft. Call an Uber. Call a friend. And that's all the PSA I'm going to do. Just everybody stay safe and have a wonderful holiday. My name's Jesse Jones. We'll see you guys on down the whiskey road. Let's raise a glass and kick some ass. I'll see you guys in 2024. Goodbye, bye. Goodbye.